I'm not pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work at home edition. So I like to use my time at home to interview people. So today I have Adam Prozac, the lead set designer for Phyrexia. All will be one. Hey, Adam. Hey, Mike. How's it going? Okay, so here's where our story is going to start. I'm going to talk about what uh, what I handed over. Uh, so this was that was codenamed Lacrosse. What's the codename? So here's what I handed over. Um, and I should we should explain. Eric Lauer uh, led this set for uh, two three months maybe. Uh, then about, he yeah about two months. Yeah, and he yeah. handed it over to you. So I'm going to talk about what I handed over, and then you can talk about what Eric and you together did. Okay. Mm-hmm. So when we handed the set over, there was poisonous. Corrupted, oil counters, including a mechanic called Oiled, uh, Take Up Arms, uh, which is the name of the mechanic, which you guys know is from for Mirrodin. Uh, we had Phyrexia Mana, uh, in activation cost, not in mana cost, I think we handed it over. And we had a mechanic called Relentless, which we can talk about. Uh, and then we had Proliferate. That's all the stuff we handed over to you. So let's talk about what happened to that list of things uh, along the way. Yeah, so typically a uh, a vision design team is going to what I call overstuff the set. It's going to have more stuff than a final set will want. You know, uh, we have mechanics. One of the jobs of set design is to figure out, like, how big of a footprint should this mechanic have in the set, including not at all. We, um, so typically, uh, as you see the final set, there are a lot of these mechanics still present in the set, and I think all the set design team did was cut mechanics and rework mechanics to uh, things. So, like, vision design team handed us over all the tools and some additional ones to make a really cool set. So, I guess we can start at the top. Uh, I think the first one you said was Poisonous. Mark? Yes, Poisonous is the first one I said. Okay, Poisonous uh, is a mechanic that appears on exactly two cards in exactly Future Sight. Yeah. Um, both future shifted. <laughs> right. <laughs> They're both from the future, which is apparently is now. Um, so Almost now. <laughs> right, right. There's just a slight change which required us to rename the mechanic. Um, poisonous in Future Sight is a triggered ability. So it's like you deal your regular damage and then a trigger goes on the stack and then they get an extra thing. Felt the, the extra trigger on the stack is much cleaner. Um play if it just doesn't if it works you know like lifelink you know when you damage your opponent with a creature with lifelink you both deal the damage and gain the life at the same time why why can poisonous can work the same way you deal the damage and they get the poison counters at the same time and so we just uh just slightly changed the uh, ability so that it would work more intuitively so basically the same mechanic so, but what did you have to do to make it work? I mean, from a, I mean, we gave you a mechanic, but we didn't balance it or anything. What, what, what did you have to do to balance uh, Toxic? Um, Toxic is a pretty straightforward, like, Toxic has what I'll call a lot of knobs. Um, so, in fact, is a, an example uh, from original, oh, not original, Scar- but uh, Scars of Mirrodin. Scars of Mirrodin um, that doesn't have a knob. So, like, if you increase a creature with infect's power, you also increase how much, uh, how many poison counters it deals out, and then you also have to uh, worry about like what happens when you giant growth um, a creature with with infect. With toxic, you can. It's very easy to regulate how many poison counters. You just put the number that you want to, 
on the card. So it was like very straightforward. Um, we had we had some rules. Um, we developed some rules, and I don't know if when they when they came about, but I uh, really liked white creatures, for example. They had a, a lot of toxic creatures, uh, including uh, tons of the uh, might tokens. Um, but they all have toxic one, right? And so, but other colors had ways to you know like. You know, green even has a toxic six creature, but they have tons of toxic two and three and four and, you know, stuff like that. And so it's a very easy mechanic to execute on um, because you have the ability to choose, you know, which toxic number they're not beholden to like this. They have the same power as their toxic number. Yeah, I think with toxic, um, what we uh, what happens in vision design is we will often pick colors for things knowing that set design might redistribute colors if need be. I think in Toxic, the three colors we picked stayed the three colors, because white, green, yeah. and black were what we handed over. Yeah, as we'll get to with the other mechanics, um, the colors chosen for the, uh, like, hey, what if this leans this way? What if this is spread out among all five colors? That sort of thing. Um, that was, I thought, really well thought out and worked, ended up working out really well. Um, so our first guess was actually our, our, you know, what we thought ended up thinking was the correct guess for, yeah. So I, so basically with toxic, green has the big, biggest toxic numbers, then black, um, and then white has a lot of toxic creatures, but they're often toxic. They're all toxic one, but they kind of, uh, we'll say go wide. You make a lot of little tokens with toxic, uh, blue has just a little splash of it uh, to help out its other uh, themes. And then red has almost none. I think it has zero. Yeah, I, th I think red has zero. Um, yeah. And then the mites were something that we had turned over. Uh, you guys didn't change the mites, right? I think we, we turned them uh, over. Yeah. Did you change I how they got executed? Got from Eric. Yeah. Uh, the toxic one and can't block. Yeah. Uh, and I think both of those were were present when... Yeah, it was handed over. Did you find, like, were there any tricks to making mites? That's a new counter. Like, what do you do when you, how do you handle figuring out how to use a new counter? Because that's something you had never, you know, this wasn't something we ever done before. Yeah, um, so I thought can't block was a really elegant solve for your, your tokens. You get creatures, you get actual creatures, and they, you know, we want to give you enough of them so that you can um, kind of swarm your opponent, swarm past your opponent. But if they could block, mo a lot of the power would just be in you make a bunch of things and it's really hard for your opponent to attack you. Um, so this way you can, you know, attack with a bunch of might tokens, and that's all mostly what they do. Um, they, they don't have a lot of blocking. So, like, we felt like we could be um, more aggressive on the rate of creatures, um, and, or the rate at which you get um, might tokens if they can't block. And that was, I think, an essential essential part to um, making the making like the white toxic poison counter economy work. Yeah, if you'll notice, it's something we've been, this actually we've been ramping up over the last couple of years is one of the issues in general with token making is it's more defensive than offensive. And so we've been right. going. We've been doing a lot of tokens that can't block. That's that's been a, a a common theme. And I think we knew that going in that we we these were meant to be aggressive, right? The whole point of them is to make you want to attack. 
And so we just took away the defensive options. Um, but wasn't, wasn't, I mean, this is something uh, we've been doing for a while. So it just, it was the obvious tool to use to do that. So. Right. And the thing that white also wants to do is, uh, so it's main token can't block. So we want to make sure there's enough other defensive stuff so that you can block the, all the might tokens, right? Mm -hmm. You need some, can't have a whole color full of camp blocking. Yeah. So white has a lot of defensive tools that aren't, uh, that aren't its tokens. Okay. So since we're talking uh, poison, maybe this, we can segue into corrupted. Cause I think that corrupted and poison go hand in hand. Like the poison economy sure. is very defined by corrupted. So let's talk a little bit. So, yeah. um, I mentioned in my my when I did I did a podcast on the design of one of the big problems of Scars of Mirrodin was what we call the silo problem, which is if you played poison, you had to go all in on poison because the way infect worked, like you couldn't you couldn't split damage and poison, it just wouldn't work. So either you right. were doing damage or you're doing poison. And so let's talk a little bit about trying to fix that problem. Yeah, so I think there um both of these mechanics. I think toxic really uh, does more than corrupted to fix the problem. Mm -hmm. So toxic, uh, so infect doesn't deal regular damage, and that I thought that was a huge drawback on so many creatures. Mm -hmm. Um, in in Scars of Mirrodin. So I was very excited to work with uh, poisonous slash toxic, um, because that means like your damage profiles, all of your creatures dealt regular damage, and that, I thought that was really important. Um, and then the second piece of the puzzle, and probably the mechanic I was most excited about when um, when you hand it off, was Corrupted, um, which is your cards get stronger when you have three or more poison counters. Um, it was also the probably the hardest uh, to find the right space for it. So initially, we had a ton of Corrupted designs. It's like, oh, get three poison counters, and then this will help deal regular damage, too, because like, regular damage is a, you know, an output that theoretically, you know, like, you don't have to get to ten poison counters, and your Corrupted Rewards will help you finish off thing with regular damage. But what we kind of found is once you could deal three, a lot of times you could deal six poison counters or ten poison counters. So a lot of them got, you know, just regular stat bonuses or, like, increased the value of the spell, not necessarily trying to take you in a different direction once you got in a couple hits. Um, so, like, not not very many of the cards will, like, deal direct damage uh, with life loss or anything like that. They'll actually just be regular stat bonuses. And then a lot of uh, uh, corrupted cards... Uh, don't have toxic so there, there's like oh you have some toxic creatures and some corrupted creatures and that's a cohesive strategy even though a lot of the times you end up winning with poison counters even when you uh have corrupted so just curious when you have an alt win condition like poison mm -hmm. do you guys set some like how like how often did you think it was go like it was going to win do you have some idea like how often like poison should be winning um in terms of the entire set, like a percentage, mm -hmm. no, there's not a hard, per, you know, hard percentage. And like, not zero, not close to zero, and not a hundred, or not close to a hundred. That's mm -hmm. the thing. But like, some get somewhere in the middle. Some games end in with poison. Some games end with regular damage. Um, but what we kind of did is we kind of had the colors um, 
have more distinct ways like so green for example mm-hmm. it's going to win with poison counters a lot it has the biggest poisonous numbers it has some proliferate to help fin- you know finish it off like green is the most likely color and then black and then white and then blue and then red so like mm-hmm. we had like kind of a scale from most poisonous with green at the top and to least poisonous with red at the bottom okay so you brought up proliferate so let's uh, I mean, proliferate has a couple things, but let's start with the dealing with poison part of proliferate, and we'll get to the other part in a second. So how, I think, now, proliferate, we handed over in colors that were not the colors that proliferate ended up in. Um, I, my memory is we handed them over in blue, green, and red, I think is what we handed over in. Okay, yeah, I, um, I believe that is true. Okay, so what what, what happened? They, they changed a little bit, so exp- explain. Um. So yeah, the, the colors are blue, green, and black. Um, and that was mostly to make, uh, just different colors, air strategies work mm-hmm. in, um, in draft. Um, I, we, we quickly found that every color with proliferate wanted, um, wanted some amount of, uh, poisonous counter giving. Mm-hmm. So this was the, um, I think you handed off no blue or very little blue, poison yeah, yeah we added just just a smidge or whatever i distinctly remember uh making a card that just like gave your opponent a poison counter and draws you a card like just a very simple card um and that really helped get the add value to the proliferate cards in blue and blue has the most proliferate yeah the, um, but it wanted just a little bit to uh poison yeah, the one interesting thing, I mean, obviously we did proliferate and poison before in Scars of Mirrodin, is proliferate does this interesting thing that it adds a little bit of control to a poison deck. Like, poison decks, by their nature, because you have to hit with creatures, tend to be a little more aggro-y, you know, a little more mid-range aggro-y because you're attacking with creatures. Um, but the thing that's interesting about proliferate is it allows you, like, once you get a poison in, you can actually sort of play defensively and, you know, sort of proliferate them to death. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, um... Yeah, naturally, any creature with poisonous that has to hit, like, it doesn't have an ability unless it hits your opponent. So, like, it's definitely an aggressive leaning mechanic. Um, One of the big struggles um, we had was trying to find the right uh, lever of aggression. So, we want the set to be all, all attacking all the time, you know, like, imagine if no creatures could block, that's probably not that... Uh, fun of a limited environment so we we try to add you know blue is kind of a defensive um deck with just a little bit of poison has a couple different ways to um slightly poison your opponent and then you proliferate can do a lot of job or you can like uh kind of get in a little bit more poison with an evasive creature like a flyer or something like that and so there's um it's definitely you can build slower poison decks which i think is cool and the other thing i really like about it is the say you get one poison counter you proliferate it twice and now your corrupted cards are all on and that's another way to like a lot of the corrupted bonuses are like strong defensively like there's the black removal spell that goes from killing a small thing to killing anything if you're corrupted like that's that's the type of card that is really powerful uh in any poison deck but particularly powerful in a deck that wants uh strong removal spells so what are the uh, proliferate? So weird mechanic in that it's very far reaching in what it does. 
what do you have to do to make sure you can balance proliferating a set? Um, one of the one of my favorite mechanics in all of Magic is not present in this set, and that is plus one plus one counters. <laughs> um, so plus one plus one counters and proliferate is the type of thing you want to build an entire environment around. Like War of the Spark did this with plus one plus one counters, <laughs> and so the value of a proliferate is really high when it just you can add a bunch of plus one plus one counters to your creatures. Um, and poison is like, if you want to think of it in a certain way, it's like dealing two damage, uh, to your opponent only if you proliferate a poison counter. Mm -hmm. And that's generally weaker than a plus one plus one counter. So like, if you have both plus one plus one counters and poison counters, um, which was true about the set for a decent amount of time of set design, uh, the plus one plus one counters are just way more impactful and you kind of reduce the uh the potency of proliferating a poison counter all right okay you said something i didn't know um so we handed over the set with oil counters we didn't have plus one plus one counters so correct. did you guys add plus one plus one counters for a while yeah i like plus one plus one counters so much that i added and i did experiments trying to add plus one plus one counters to the set um but those experiments did not go well because of the reasons I explained. Like, it was I think it was correct not to have the plus one plus one counters because that helps um, helps the proliferating poison counters shine a little bit more. And so, I guess we could segue into oil counters. Sure. <laughs> but oil counters was a really good way so we can we can make oil counters and uh, make them so that proliferating oil counter is about the same we can do different things with oil counter we can do whatever we want with them including some of them just get plus one plus one so <laughs> yeah. uh, so they kind of work like plus uh plus one plus one counters um but we found that was a good way to if we get all the oil counters to be about and uh, to work better with proliferating poison and so the um you get to choose if you want to proliferate mostly Poison counters are mostly oil counters. Yeah, one of the things that's interesting about oil counters, so oil counters are interesting. Um, they're uh, what we call an, an open-ended mechanic. Like it doesn't mean, oil doesn't mean anything. So each card gets to define what oil means. And so what mm -hmm. we did when we handed off the file is we just listed here, I, I think we listed like eight ways to use them. Like here's lots of ways. You can choose whatever you want. And the idea wasn't that you guys would use all of them. It's just like, here's different ways you could use them. We designed we we designed a lot of different oil cards. So um, how did you guys figure out which versions? Like, how did you figure out what utility of oil counters you wanted? Yeah. Um, so I, I believe the oil counter stuff changed the most from vision design to uh, set during set design. Um, and I think, this is probably a little bit crude way to say it, but we just took the simplest version mm -hmm. of the mechanic because putting all your dice on your cards and like taking up, you know, rolling up your dice found that to be like all the complexity, like there's a lot of complexity baked into that. Mm -hmm. And so putting additional layers of um, here's how you get them here, you know, here's how they work. Um, I think if you want to talk about um, the oily, Oil uh, mechanic. The oiled mechanic. Off. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so, oh, oh, you had oiled, and Eric, I believe, tried oily. Oh, okay. So, um, so when I handed over, well, let's walk to the yeah. audience. What hand? I handed over oiled. Oiled meant oiled n meant it entered the battlefield with n counters on it, 
And then it, we also had a writer, which is if you proliferate and it is zero, it still gets a counter. That, that's what oil mm -hmm. did. Right. And then I think Eric used oiled as a form of vanishing or yeah. fading. Yeah. Um, where it enter with some and it would take down. Uh, definitely. The it, go, it went, went away like, at the end. Once you, even yeah, with both, both, neither of these mechanics are present in set. Just because we felt like cards worked well just without any sort of like um, through line uh, to them. So like a lot of cards just enter with oil counters. Mm -hmm. um, some cards build them up like whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, I think, or whenever you cast a non-creature spell, because there are a lot of artifacts um, in the set. And so just having the basic simple, like the simplest ways was plenty of... Um, Plenty of stuff to give us all the tools that we needed to uh, make the mechanic work. And they didn't need to have any inherent meeting. Um, and felt that, just felt it was uh, more complex than necessary. Mm -hmm. yeah, so we, remember... we just simplified it as much as we could. And it's still pretty, pretty fiddly and pretty complex, but it is really fun. Yeah, it's... Many of my favorite things. Yeah, many of my favorite things to play in the set are the oil counter stuff. Uh, I really enjoy uh, proliferating, like, or oil counters among all my permanents, so it's really fun. Yeah, it's interesting that proliferate's been in three different environments, and each environment had a different uh, dominant uh, counter, so that, that's been interesting. Yeah, and, and proliferate is actually one of my favorite mechanics to work with because you have to figure out all of, all of the environmental stuff. It is a very high-impact mechanic, and it really dictates a lot of uh, what you can do, and you have to figure out what that thing is. You can't just like throw every single type of counter, yeah. uh, and it also gets too messy. Okay, so let's move on to next Frexian mana. Um, mm -hmm. So when I, we originally when I handed over the design, I, I called them the three P's, which is the three things I thought audience would expect from a Frexian set, which was poison, proliferate, and Frexian mana. Uh, mm -hmm. So Frexian mana is I, from a play design standpoint, is fraught with danger. So let's talk about how you handled Phyrexian Mana. Yeah, um, so Phyrexian Mana is, uh, I will say, too strong uh, <laughs> on balance. So the thing about Phyrexian Mana is that two life and a mana don't have the same value. So like, <clears throat> you look at some of the cards from New Phyrexia, like I'll take Dismember as a famous example, is like, it is just so much more powerful, on average, not not 100% of the time, to pay one mana and four life than it is to pay three mana. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what a lot of the strength of the card is in paying one mana and four life. And it's, we just found it just very difficult to actually put on cards, mm -hmm. where it's an interesting choice and you, you know, did some, like, stuff. There's lots of nods to nods to Phyrexian mana in the set. There's a lot of... If you pay life, you often pay two life as mm -hmm. a nod to Phyrexian mana. Yeah. Um, there are some cards with activated abilities. Um, there's a mythic rare cycle of creatures the that have the Phyrexian mana. Yeah. The Dominus cycle. Yeah. Um, have it. So there's, like, a very little bit about it, but, like, I just felt like it was too challenging to make cards where it was, like, actually interesting interesting choice and then the other thing um is r&d kind of has this thing of like 
guideline of be careful of how many problematic, not problematic is the wrong word, challenging, how many challenging mechanics um, to put in one set. And I felt that getting poison to work would be challenging. Yeah. We've done it, but like changing, changing how it works, it requires a lot of uh, design work and a lot of design efforts to make it work. And I wanted to sign up. I thought poison was the super important one Mm -hmm. and Phyrexia mana was not nearly as important to uh, making the set feel like Phyrexia. Yeah. And I tried to get a little bit of knobs, you know, a little bit of here and there, but in terms of like a large footprint in the set, I didn't feel like Phyrexia mana was correct. Yeah, and and Phyrexia mana, I mean, it shows up on five planeswalkers in their mana cost, which with the completed mechanics, you're paying an extra thing other than just, you're paying loyalty in addition to life. Right, right. That's a really, really important... Like, I love the completed Planeswalkers. Um, we actually did a lot of work for this set when we made um, Tamiyo for yeah, in, in Neon, Neon Dynasty. Dynasty. Yeah, yeah. So when we made Tamiyo, we actually designed a bunch of cards that were like, oh, here are the Planeswalkers. Let's try it out. Let's try it out on more than just Tamiyo. Yeah. Let's see if we can actually make five of these because we knew mm-hmm. we wanted to do it uh, in... So we actually worked on some, and funny story is the Luca that we play tested all the way back in Neon Dynasty mm-hmm. ended up relatively close. Like the the play design team when they play tested, it, it was like, oh, this Luca design is really really good. This is like does ev- checks off everything we want to do. Like you mm-hmm. play it at both things. It's got you know interesting context. It's a fun card. So like Phyrexian Luca was actually made. During, well before, like well before you worked on uh, the set, even well, so it was the, made a year before. Yeah, the the funny thing is, I had the assignment way back in Neon Dynasty to do the initial work on the Planeswalkers, on the the Frexian Planeswalkers. Um, and my first stab at it, I don't know if you remember this. My first stab at it was Frexian Loyalty. Do you remember this? Yes, I do remember Frexian Loyalty. It was super so, flavorful, Frexian but Loyalty. broken. <laughs> yeah, Frexian Loyalty is. You pay life instead of uh, loyalty. loyalty yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, it was very, it was very cool and a couple of the stuff, but yeah, that was a good, a good example of oh, this reads cool and plays cool, but I don't think we can make very many cards. Yeah, yeah, it was a little that broken. aren't, but because yeah, because yeah, the, <laughs> the the knobs like the the trade offs weren't there. Yeah. But when we found Frexian uh, completed. Yeah. Uh, put it in the cost. We felt the knobs were there because, like, two life and two loyalty right. is a lot more interesting of a choice than just two life. Okay, the last mechanic to talk about is uh, we called it Take Up Arms. Uh, it, mm-hmm. it got turned into For Mirrodin! Exclamation point. Um, so uh, I, th- I think this one mechanic, when we handed it over, it made a 2 2 Red Rebel. That's what it made when we handed it over. So And, and it still makes a 2 2 <laughs> Red Rebel. It. We thought it was a yeah. I thought it was a really cool um, kind of evolution of the um, the germ mechanic, living weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, from that, that was a cool way. It was a cool way to show off the the Mirans, um, kind of <clears throat> the creative of the Mirans. Is like they had all these like equipment and stuff. Like they uh, they needed like armor and shelter to fend off the Phyrexians. Yeah, and and it also played really well into kind of where the mirrors would fit into the set structure. Red and white is where you're going to find most of the the mm-hmm. take up arms card 
or the four Mirrodin cards, as it was ended up being called. Was there any challenges um, to balancing them? Like, you know, I mean, I, I know Living Weapon was quirky in that you had all the power toughness had to be in the equipment, otherwise the creature had no substance. I, I found it easier to um, make uh, <clears throat> four Mirrodin cards. The, the hardest one was getting them on cheap enough cards, but mm -hmm. that wasn't that big of an issue. Like, um, there aren't very many two-mana cards with the mechanic. They're mostly at three, yeah. eight, four, and five mana. Um, but other than that, I actually found it uh, to be easier to make the living weapons because you didn't have to have, like, the stat bonus mm -hmm. and the size of the initial creature. Yeah. Um, we're more, we're more kind of balanced. Like, I think the, um, living weapon things, like, your basic common was like plus two, plus four, and that's just such a big stat bonus. Yeah. Um, to get a two four. But, uh, with, with for Mirrodin, it could just be plus O oh, plus two, which is a much more reasonable stat increase for common. Yeah. Um, so I found it, I found it to be very easy to make cards for, um, and then we had to do some work to to uh, the biggest issue was like for the limited strategy or for even uh, constructed strategy we had to get the the curve to be right. Like mm -hmm. at one point it was just like oh all the cards cost three because that's like the natural yeah. first <laughs> point you want to. But I think I think we did a, a pretty good job of varying the cost. I really like uh, <laughs> there, there's a red uh, for Mirrodin equipment that gives plus one minus one and so that's a cool way to make a two mana three one creature yeah, yeah. with a little bit of texture i i really like that card okay so i'm i'm almost almost to my desk here so um any final thoughts like uh you know what, what are your looking back at the making of phyrexia all will be one what 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 uh what are your final thoughts about it uh phyrexia all will be one is probably one of the more sets that i'm most proud of working on during my time was I just think it's really cool. I think the the world is really cool. I think our you know execution like everything looks awesome, um, <clears throat> and I'm re just really proud of the a lot of the individual designs. Like I think there's a lot for a lot of different players. Um, I had a lot of fun working on it, uh, and I think a lot of it was to how how well the the vision handle like the process was really smooth mm -hmm. like uh as we talked about we kept a lot of things from vision design which is you know not always the case like but i thought it was really uh really nice for me as a set designer to have all the stuff that we needed um present in the vision design there's also extra stuff but that's that's how i use uh Frexit as a really good example of how the design process should work you know, vision design comes up with a bunch of cool things and then set design kind of picks from them and pieces them together. And and I think when we do that correctly, it's we make awesome sets. And I think for Axia, all will be one is one of them. Yeah, I'm I'm really happy with how it came out. You know, it's it's uh it's a lot I mean, one of the things that's interesting for me is we get a general idea of the set that we hand it over and you know we're, we're making the blueprints, but someone's building the building and, you know, it doesn't always turn exactly the way the blueprints were. So, um, I, I was really happy with how the set came out. So, well, thank you for all your hard work and you and your team. Yeah. Um, but I'm now at my desk. So we all know what that means. It means this is the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. So thank you, Adam, for being with us today. Thank you for having me. And to all of you, I will see you next time. Bye-bye.